Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. 21 straight field goals Carlson has made here at Allegiant. So here we go with a 50-yarder on its way. Yes! He's got it. Barber stays in. He's behind Ingold. They're going to throw. Carr drops it off. And touchdown, Raiders! Eric Ingold, the fullback, strikes again. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday, Monday Night Football spot. We got Eagles and Cowboys going down at Twin Peaks on Eastern. We'll tell you all about the joint. 75 TVs inside, nine outside. The patio's open. The weather is cooling down here around Las Vegas. Angel is on the scene with me here at Twin Peaks. Adam Candy's along as the company. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. An amazing day in the NFL to recap. Some college football coming up later on. Big name guest later this hour, including Tim Brown, the uh, Raider great, will help us break down the 3-0 start from the Raiders. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Candy, I don't like to pop on any radio show and say, that was the greatest day of NFL action I've ever seen, because we're prisoners of the moment. But it was freaking good and maybe it was the games i was interested in and i think some of it was the games that i had action on but it was insane and i think i heard earlier today that the number of walk-off field goals this season is like the most since the merger in the year 1970 and you felt it yesterday it was just like freaking dramatic ending after dramatic ending and crazy field goals and crazy drives and massive defensive stops and unbelievable quarterback play and then uh, you know then there's the the bottom of the barrel our teams we'll get to those later on candy and cofield football world <laughs> real pleasant but uh, yesterday was amazing first of all there was only one major walk-off field goal yesterday justin tucker gets to stand alone we can't put anything else next to justin tucker making a 66 yard field goal um when it comes to the rest of the NFL, Cofield, you talk about how you maybe liked it because of your action. Hey, you know what I thought? I thought this was a great day in spite of my awful action. Um, yeah. My action was awful almost across the board yesterday, and I still was able to enjoy it. I still was able to watch that day of the NFL and think, wow, we had a lot of fantastic games yesterday. Yep, Raiders won a squeaker. Aaron Rodgers went all A-Rodge. Uh, we'll get into whether Lil Shanny should have been more concerned about the clock to make sure that A-Rodge didn't get it back because we know that uh, in another game, Coach was absolutely keeping that in mind. Tom Brady lost, which is awesome, before he goes back to New England. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you saw it yesterday. Did you get a chance to see the promo? And, you know, a lot of people around town are out at different locations, so they don't get to hear the sound. Did you get to see the cheesy but brilliant promo that NBC ran about Brady and Belichick meeting up this week. They did that during Snuff, during Sunday Night Football. Did you say it? I think it was fourth quarter. 
I didn't see it, but are you sure it wasn't a Subway commercial? Uh, no. no. I didn't know if Brady, it was one of those for Brady. That, Brady, uh, Brady, got, more, Brady got more time. Brady got, okay, he, yeah. he, believe me, he ain't going to oh, get snubbed. Brady's time. Yeah, he ain't going to get snubbed in any sort of mm. promo for the freaking mm-hmm. return to New England. No, they actually they had a whole mashup with you know Brady, highlights, Belichick, you know, angst, happiness, and underneath it they played Adele. I was like, are they really doing this? This is like a Cofield and Company move. Just some song that is horrendously not appropriate and way too serious for football. And they're doing Belichick and Brady to Adele. Let's hear it for the people on the SNF music crew, though. And I'm not just talking about that. That's fantastic on its own. They have some great hip-hop choices throughout the broadcast. Like, I'm so tired of every time I listen to a broadcast – you know, you know what's going to happen. If the game's somewhere in San Francisco, what's going to happen? Or in L.A., it's the same. Doesn't matter. <laughs> California love. Uh. Oh, my God, <laughs> enough already. Get creative. Get creative. Adele is creative. Good job. Let's hear it. Boy, that scared the hell out of Ari a second time. We can see Ari on our little uh, trusty green room video. And <laughs> when you said he, let's hear it, let's hear it for... The energy comes Let's right hear it. He's through like, the screen. I love it. <laughs> and he, as, you know, as you know well, he never panics. He's always uh, very under control. Uh, yeah, so yesterday, Raiders win the squeaker. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes all A-Rodge with 37 seconds left. Brady loses. You mentioned the Tucker field goal. We saw a kick six. We'll have the highlight on that one later on. Uh, and we've also got Kansas City losing at home. Turnovers all over the place. Mahomes gets the ball back, actually doesn't win a freaking game, and maybe best of all, Candy, we'll hear it here. A coach actually referenced his quarterback as a gangsta. We're fortunate we have a, you know, a gangster quarterback. There you go. Do you know that voice yet? Are you familiar with that voice? Is that a voice that most NFL players, check that, fans, listeners right now will know? I don't think so. Don't Let's try it again. What... We're fortunate we have a, you know, a gangster quarterback. Unfortunately, we have a gangster at quarterback, which I think is actually a positive. I think he was saying. Right. For them, unfortunately. Play it again. We're fortunate we have a, you know, a gangster quarterback. Did he say unfortunately or fortunately? So we are, I think we're fortunate. We're fortunate we have a, you know, a gangster we're quarterback. Fortunate. We're fortunate. Did he say Alec or Eric? Um, all right. So that was actually Brandon Staley, who, as people are becoming familiar with, is quite the Riverboat Gambler. All right, Candy, let's get to because we'll get to the Chargers and Chiefs and what it means for the Raiders. And now the Raiders, what a freaking game now coming up on Monday night. Like, it was going to be a big game anyway, but, man, with the way these two teams have played, Raiders-Chargers is going to be freaking dynamite. Yesterday was an exhilarating game for the Raiders. I'm sure a gut-wrenching at times, freaking drama-filled contest for Raiders fans. John Gruden made me proud at moments. Other times I'm like, John, you're going back to being old John. Man, that was freaking fun. And I think there's so many stars to call out. But I, obviously Carr is one of them. But the first guy I think we need to call on here, and it's really a team effort, is, I mean, the Raiders are looking around for some running backs, knowing that Josh Jacobs is going to need some depth. They're like, yeah, let's grab this Peyton Barber who's bounced around the league. And what a day for him yesterday. And that's what a lot of the Raider brass and players wanted to talk about 
Uh, here's John Gruden talking about Peyton Barber as he went out there and had a monster game. He had 111 on the ground. He did well catching the ball out of the backfield. They may have found something here in a veteran in Peyton Barber. Yeah, I think he did more than just run it. I mean, you know, we went to him as our third down back. We had a, uh, a need there, I think, to get his hands on the ball at the end of the game. He caught the pass out of the backfield. He picked up some blitzes. He was helpful in protection. He didn't blow any assignments. He ran hard. And when you meet him, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't even smile. I don't know how he's feeling. I don't hardly know this guy. But I gave him a big hug and a game ball, I'll tell you that. If, um, if you get a chance to see Peyton, uh, you'll, you'll see he's a great kid. And today was a big moment for him. I'm really happy for him. John Gurdon on Peyton Barber, who had a monster effort. Uh, so he doesn't really know him. He doesn't know how he feels. Would you hug someone like that, or would you be afraid? Like, I don't know if the uh, guy wants to be hugged. Well, if Peyton Barber saw the weird mid-lower body bump that Gruden gave Carr last week. Oh, my week. God. That was... Like, that who, was disturbing. It was... Because I just... I, well, you know, I was going to say, I don't think Gruden hugs, but he just said he hugs. I don't think he was ready for a hug. So he kind of... He thought he was going to get a chest bump, and then it turned out to be... You know, he's got... He's, he's developing a little bit of a, you know, a belly there. He's still, you know, he's kind of yoked up. Um, but, you know, he's got the gut. It was weird, wasn't it, the way they bounced off each other last week? Like, he didn't know how to celebrate. No, I mean, it, it, it looked like um, like the old wrestling, like the Degeneration X. You know, they do the chop and the, and, sure. the, and the thrust. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, like, like, <laughs> it was like Gruden was doing the thrust without the chop, and Carr was like, I Carr, I, I think Carr was a little uncomfortable. I think Carr felt like he might be, uh, you know, violating the marriage covenant there by the way Gruden came after him. But, yeah, man, I mean – Good on the Peyton Barber story, right? Good on the Peyton yes. Barber story of a guy being able to do that. I think it says a couple of things about the Raiders. First of all, this is why you don't draft Josh Jacobs with a first-round pick, because there is a Peyton Barber out there somewhere. Because in the NFL, there's always a Peyton Barber. There's a Tyson Williams who came in for the Ravens in week one and was so great against the Raiders. Um, also, it makes you wonder, why did you just give out an $11 million to your contract to Kenyon Drake uh, if you can't turn to him as the backup running back. But here on Victory Monday, I don't want to get too deep on those questions. Um, I also don't want to mention that Peyton Barber fumbled, fumbled the ball at the one-yard line yesterday and was really fortunate that Eric, I'm sorry, Alec Ingold um, was able to recover it for him. Bottom line here, though, is they've, uh, they grabbed a guy in Peyton Barber off someone else's practice squad. You know, and it's not as if football team is completely loaded at running back. So, you know, while we get on the Raiders for gaffing on some of their high picks, they have consistently shown the ability to go out and, you know, sometimes get guys off the proverbial scrap heap, you know, later in the draft as well and get something productive out of them. We've seen that on the offensive line. We'll get to the pass blocking in a little bit, but obviously the run blocking worked yesterday uh give me a little hunter renfro let's hear this one as renfro talks about barber yeah Peyton he ran so hard offensive line did such a good job of uh you know we we started off rocking we threw the pick six and then uh and then we got the run game going and that really helped propel our offense and uh you know it's so much fun the last two weeks to be able to take the ball and uh, move it in the run game um, as the as the game winds down, and so um, he did a great job. You know, he's only been here for three weeks, and so um, discovering who who he is as well, and the type of person and type of player he is, um, I'm just proud to be his teammate. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Big change as well. You have a wide receiver saying it's nice to get 
basically saying it's nice to get support from the run game, right? It hasn't always been that way. It's been the uh, reverse situation with uh, the passing game and, and the receivers outside of uh, Darren Waller. So a uh, big, big outing for Peyton Barber. Plenty to get into. Raiders win. They're 3-0 and now. On the way back, we'll get to the uh, latest edition of Air Gruden. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 2. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans with interest rates at all-time lows. Now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Why do people call you KD? Um, Can I call you KD? My first name is Kevin. Uh Uh-huh, right. My last name is Durant with a D. KD, uh, this year, how, what percentage do you plan on giving on the court? 90, 95, 100, 110? What are we looking at? Uh, 110. 110. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Man, that's got to be a G-damn good cut to be breaking into Cofield and Company on a Monday with some inane basketball press conference uh well let's explain what was going on there because that didn't make a whole lot of sense kevin durant at the uh, nets press conference uh candy well ari sent this in and i wasn't 100 percent sure of um of where it came from and and what it was i thought he was who is it who is this no I, i was hoping ari was gonna explain it he sent it in basketball digest Dave from Basketball Digest, I believe, was how the guy identified himself. Why would someone show up to the Nets press conference and start freaking trolling? I don't get it. It's weird. We played a 215 on a football Monday. Hmm. <laughs> we both were both like, huh. <laughs> Maybe well, that's just trying to ease the tension a little. Who was? Me. Oh, you are? Oh, I see. Okay, so, so Ari was just trying Ooh, to find something me. a little light. Ari, did you ever figure out who Dave from Basketball Digest is? Do we do a search on this? Because I'd like to get him on. I mean, I would love to challenge someone who's like, uh, "Dude, you don't know you're you work How for a basketball website. You, give? you work Dave for a basketball Lennon? website, and you don't know what KD means. Who is Dave? Who the hell is this guy? The hell's going on here? I think Ari asked if it could be Dave Dave Letterman. What? What? Yes. There you have it, folks. He got me. <laughs> Ari got me again. I had no idea. I'm Ari just, got me again. Just so organized. It's just so good. At what this. a trickster. <laughs> Might as well just end the show now. What, what can you even go from there? No. Well, we know, gotcha. we, we know this, it'll be a 30-second promo. You're I mean, in look, it. I mean, look, that, like, like that, that is better. I know, we all see the ads all through the NCAA tournament for Impractical Jokers, which I'm sure is a great show on, like, True, t- true TNT or whatever the, whatever the network is. Um, this is better. This is way, way better. That's what I do, you know. Because Ari is an impractical joker. That's right. Brilliant stuff, gotcha. dude. Gotcha. You got us. You got us again. Oh, let's talk some Raiders. <laughs> There's a segue back. He's like, let's get out of this. Look at Oh. Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Well, we got to talk about Derek Carr. So he's got 1,203 yards passing on the season, 382 yesterday and this is something we harped on late in the season last year in the offseason beginning of this season candy this team could reach a new level and Derek Carr could take them there and get himself to a new level once he and the coaching staff had confidence in some of their new young receivers like Henry Ruggs and Edwards and yesterday was another day 
where they built on that, and especially Edwards, right? I mean, we, we're starting to see what we need to see, and more importantly, Derek Carr is starting to see what he needs to see to have confidence to throw it all over the freaking yard. We wondered if Derek Carr could elevate the players around him, right? Or did you need to surround him with better players? It's sort of a chicken and the egg thing that we haven't been able to figure out about why Carr has been good but not great, right? Why can Aaron Rodgers take the combination of Devontae Adams and the Pips and figure out how to make them better versus <laughs> someone else, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? How can, before he had both of them, how can a Patrick Mahomes make an offense out of Hill or Kelsey when they're not both there? Um, not to say he had a lot of time to be able to do that. I'm saying with injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So Derek Carr now... Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, we came into this season and said, well, can he take Darren Waller and this collection of maybes and do something with them? And you know what? I think it's about the receivers. I think it's about these guys taking a step forward along with Derek Carr. I I think it's the chicken and the egg. Because through three games, Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro combined have one drop pass. If it's coming their way, they're catching it right now. Darren Waller by himself has two drops, and we know Darren Waller's been the most targeted receiver in the offense. Darren Waller has 32 targets through three games, and it feels like they all came against the Ravens. So if we can take anything out of these three games that I think is sticky, that I think is something that you can see that will be able to continue, it's the ability of John Gruden and these receivers to scheme it up to get open. Raiders have... Four players with 200-plus yards receiving through three games. That doesn't sound that impressive. It is. We're talking Ruggs, Waller, Edwards, Renfro. No other team in the league has more than two. Here's John Gruden talking about how happy he was with the young guys. Well, I'm, I'm always going to be confident in those guys. We were confident on draft day. you know. So all they have to do is keep playing and keep in taking advantage of their at-bats. But both those guys had big days today against one of the better secondaries in pro football. And the fun thing for me – is I see these young guys really coming alive. I see a different look in their eyes. I see a different confidence. Uh, and now they're starting to demand the ball, so they're starting to get on my nerves a little bit. But um, they're going to be a great duo with Waller and, and some of the others. Zay Jones made a contribution today, and, of course, Hunter Renfro came up big as well. So it was a, it was a team win, and we're exhausted. we gotta, we got a lot to, we got a lot to figure out here. Exasperated at the end. By the way, that's where Caliendo gets his best Gruden material. We're starting to see these young guys come alive. And then he, and then he drops in. They're starting to get on my nerves asking for the ball all the time. He did uh, shout out Hunter Renfro. Here's Renfro on the younger guys. Yeah, no, I love, uh, love Brian and Henry. Uh, it's so much fun watching them play. Um, you know, I get to run around and then usually we throw it deep and I just sit there and watch and I have the best seat in the house. So uh, it's fun being their teammates, um, watching them develop because, you know, they had took a lot of criticism from people um, last year and uh, not having the type of years they were hurt a little bit. So watching them work this whole offseason um, has been cool and it's just so much fun, you know, playing along with these guys because they have so much energy. Um, and like you saw in overtime, uh, just making plays when, when, when it matters, and they do a good job of that. Renfro's on to something there, and I know we don't like players and coaches that have rabbit ears when it comes to uh, complaints about players, but Ruggs and Edwards, specifically Ruggs, took a beating last year and, and this year. Hell, I think we've got a 
Don't we have a press box promo that's like five months old, still running, about Ruggs and his speed? Like, are they mocking on themselves at that point? Like, I think I'm not saying Ruggs is a complete product here, and he didn't have a great first year, but and he's kind of moved past this, haven't we? Candy, I mean, he's the guy's moving towards being legit. Move past it? Why would we move past it after three games if they're going to keep bringing it up? Like, we're, I'm sitting here saying I think the receivers have taken a step forward, right. and yet the whining by Gruden and Renfro in both of those quotes, right? Gruden saying, I was confident in them on draft day. Renfro talking about, they took a lot of crap last year. What's wrong? But what's wrong? Do you know if why you, they took a lot of crap? Because they sucked last year. Right, but Renfro also just said they were young and Edwards was hurt. And Edwards Ruggs was had, hurt. Some, had some health issues from time to time as well. And that's great. It's also been three weeks. And I, I, I totally get that. But I also think if fans and media are allowed to criticize and then follow up with more criticism, players and coaches can act like human beings and go, you know what? We heard that. We felt that. Up yours. Now, I don't want I don't want they don't have to do you know if it keeps going like it's eight nine weeks in and they're both excelling and it's like see told you told you told you like at that point it's like let's all move beyond it but it is still pretty fresh it's not an equal relationship Play, players and coaches are on a much different side of this thing than fans are right and keep in mind we we only get to see so much right and that's not by our choice we as media we as fans would love to see more We'd love to see actual practice. We'd love to see the reps that coaches keep talking about saying, we see the growth. We see how much better these players are getting. You know, we're the ones in practice. We're the ones who see it. Yet you're the ones who restrict us being able to see practice because you're paranoid jackasses who believe that we're there to steal plays. I will jump in here, and I don't want to go anti-media. I'm not sure many of us are qualified to even know what we see in practice. And certainly when I'm watching social media last week and – you know, there are tweaks in practice, and there are reports sent out like someone's going to be out for the game. Like, I don't know that we really know what we're seeing sometimes. Then why do we trust media who are at the games? I don't – do, do, I, do, I I, do I trust everyone equally? Absolutely not. And, again, I, this is the last thing we should be doing is, you know, playing into the fake media thing. There's a big difference between that because that's a blanket statement. So, I, we, I honestly, agree we, we, don't, we don't see everything that's in practice, and I – and. And would I love to? Sure. Um, but do I understand why, one, coaches try to keep secrets from us? Yes. But more importantly, from stuff getting out to the opposition. From stuff getting out to the – yeah. I mean, look, if we, we, could, we could go a, a million rounds about this. In the end, Hunter Renfro is speaking up about perceived frustration. And you know what? If they want to speak up about it, that's fine. Like that that's absolutely well, what's the time, fine. Candy, it's what's petty. the time what's the time limit on it? When 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 should they put it to bed and you're good with it? When should they put it to bed? Well, here's the thing. If they want to talk about they heard this criticism all last year, right? Or John Gruden wants to bring it all the way back to draft day and go another six months back past that. Don't you think it should be at least that long? Because you want you want me to pull the numbers out? I already did. I pulled the numbers out before the show today to show that if you want to use the PFF grades that we use all the time, Henry Ruggs is still behind CeeDee C- Lamb and Jerry Judy in terms of grade this year. This year. So if we want to go back and have this discussion again, we can still talk about did they use their draft capital appropriately at the top of the draft to make Henry Ruggs the first receiver chosen. Was he better than CeeDee Lamb? Was he better than Jerry Judy? 
He wasn't last year, and he's not this year. He's been good. He's been good, and I started this out saying he's been good. But if we're going to go three weeks in and say, oh, yeah, all the criticism we took last year, you've played three games. Stop. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. I'm not sure. I mean, different guys say say things for different reasons, I guess. I mean, I guess that, that helps some people's confidence, but I'm, I'm not a big talker. I, I go out and just, like I said, just play my game week in and week out. I mean, you might see me, you know, chirping back and forth if, if someone says something to me in the game, but that's about it. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Well, we're just having a good discussion about uh, when criticism gets uh, put to bed. It's three weeks in. Raiders are 3-0. and And, you know, Gruden and Ruggs, they remember some of the stuff from last year. It's an interesting discussion. It's, an inter- it's, it's a small sample this year, but so far it's been very good. And Derek Carr has a lot of confidence. And the younger receivers, we know he has confidence in Waller. And, I mean, Derek Carr has come out here with 1,203 passing yards. It's craziness. And the Raiders are 3-0. and Tim Brown, the former Raider, one of the – all-time great Raiders is up with Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Uh, we were going over yesterday's game, and we were talking about, you know, we've talked to you about this many times, about the confidence of a quarterback in all of his receivers, and I think we're starting to see that come to fruition now with some of the young guys. Derek Carr is really spreading the ball around, and the Raiders are tough to defend. Yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the offense right now. You know, I, I remember being at a Monday night game, and I, I believe the first 10 plays, they may have, they may have had 10 different um, uh, groups of guys in there, and I, I thought that was really remarkable. And uh, it has to be tough for the guys, too, because, you know, everybody's trying to get warmed up and all that into the game, but you're in and out. But uh, they were able to make it make it happen, man. And uh, so, anytime you can you can you know spread the ball around like that to seven, eight, nine guys, it's really going to make it tough on defense, especially the ones that are scouting you, trying to figure out who do we really need to stop here. Do you see anything different aside from having you know more weapons and confidence in in more of those weapons? Do you see anything different with Derek Carr that's led to this uh, really good start? Well, uh, you know, I told everybody last year, look, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is to have a couple of young guys in this offense that um, didn't get a chance to go through mini camp and go through training camp. You know, I mean, this is a very complicated, complex offense with a lot of motions and shifts and things of that nature. And then after all that, you got to remember, I got to run around and I got to beat a guy. You know what I mean? After you figure out all the shifts and the motions. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, man, you know, it just makes it uh, a lot difficult uh, for these guys to get done what they, what they get done. But, um, but when it comes to the weapons, you know, uh, for Derek Carr, you know, it, it's not like he's trying to do that. It's just what the offense calls for him to do. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing about it, man. And he's just making the best of it. And as long as he can keep doing that, man, this, this offense is going to keep moving. Tim, we were talking about earlier and saying it's kind of chicken and the egg to some degree. Is the quarterback making the receivers better or the receivers making the quarterback better? Um, not just with the Raiders uh, right now, but in your experience, how does that work? Is it one side more than the other, or does it kind of work together? Yeah, you know, I, I think in, in, in most cases, man, you know, if you if you have a, a quarterback that's struggling, I mean, I played with 20 quarterbacks in my career, and um, 
you know, some of them struggled, right? And but what I did know is there were certain passes that they could they could run. So what you tried to do, oh, excuse me, what you tried to do was go to the offense coordinator and go, hey, look, hey, let's help this guy out, you know, let's not make him throw this double post corner route when we know he can't do it. You know, let's just throw the in route. Let's just do this. Let's just do that. So, um, you know, I, I I believe in my career, you know, that maybe I've helped our quarterbacks more than they've helped me. But, you know, what I tried to do, I gave them a radius. Get the ball in this radius. Huh. <laughs> and we'll try, we'll try to make the catch. You know, don't try and be perfect with the ball. Don't try and get it two steps in front of me. That would be great if you can. But if it's a little bit behind, that's fine. Let's make the catch, get the first down, and keep on moving. You know, and I think in, from that standpoint, uh, you know, if you have a great quarterback, you know, uh, that great quarterback, if, if you got a receiver that can't get open, there's nothing that great quarterback to do to help that guy out if he can't get open. So, But I think um, in, in the case of having a great receiver or a good receiver, you know, you can make that, that quarterback uh, maybe better than what he seemingly is. So speaking of some of the great weapons that Derek Carr has, uh, we talked a lot about Darren Waller and what he allows Gruden and Carr and the rest of this offense to do. I'm not trying to stir anything up asking you about the comment about Gruden saying that Waller is the best player he's ever coached, but why do you think in particular he is so excited about Darren Waller? What do you think gets that level of excitement about out of John Gruden? Well, look, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's 6'7", who has 4'3", 4'4", speed, um, has the ability to do many different things on the football field. And, um, you know, he, he got this guy a relatively, you know, good part of, uh, good time in his career. He's not a young, young guy, but at the same time, I mean, Gruden could possibly have this guy for another five or six years, you know, if things go well. So, um, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, when you when you look at when you watch the game and knowing this offense as well as I do, you know, it doesn't seem to me that Wally is the is the is the is the priority in the offense. I mean, they go to him when they have to, or you know, but they're not coming out force feeding the ball to him and making people. And and that's I think that's really going to help Waller out because it puts him in a situation where people almost go to sleep on him. Then all of a sudden he's catching a twenty-five yard pass across the middle of the field. Um, you know, so look, um, Gruden has to say what he has to say to keep them boys moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, we, I've had that conversation with him over, over many, many years, but, uh, I, I have, I have, uh, I have my gold jacket and my, and my Hall of Fame ring hanging up. <laughs> so I'm good to go. He can say whatever he needs to say to win football games because, uh, that helps me out too. Every game they win helps me out. <laughs> the, the Hall of Famer Tim Brown joined us here on Cofield and Company, and that's why I didn't even go there because I'd already seen your post on Twitter with the uh, with the pictures of everything that you have in your in your closet <laughs> that you don't need to worry about uh, what kind of player uh, that you are. Right, yeah. um, but you talk about this offense a lot, Tim, and I'm curious as someone who knows the offense well. Maybe maybe a percentage is too weird of a way to put it, but like. Are we seeing all the tricks in Gruden's bag now? Are we seeing more than we did in the past? And and if so, do you think it's more about his confidence in Derek Carr? No, it, it's definitely definitely not about his confidence in Carr. I mean, he knows Carr can can do everything. Carr has complete control of this offense. 
this is all about the guys around him. I mean, I mean, think about it. You got you got a Henry Ruggs, who's really this is his first year for all, uh, for all practical purposes. This is his first year. You got a guy like Edward, who's been in and out with injuries. Jay Jones has been in and out with injuries. Renfro has been you know pretty consistent, uh, been in been in every game. Um, and you have Waller, who is getting used to being the guy, the man. You know, the one that everybody says we got to stop to to to. To um, to get this team to to beat this team, so um, but this has nothing to do with Derek Carr at this particular point. This is all about the weapons around him, and that's what I said coming into the year. There are no more excuses for Derek Carr in regards to uh, how this offense plays uh, with the guys he has around him. I, I'll tell you when this offense is is at at top tip uh, tip top uh, shape, and that is when you see. Edwards go for 125 yards and, and Ruggs go for 125, 150 yards in consecutive games and back-to-back-to-back games and things of that nature. That's when you know this offense is going to be uh, at top, top shape because those two guys, with Ruggs, with the speed that he has, when they get him completely locked in on this offense and knowing exactly, you can see that he has more energy now than he did last year, a lot more more energy, you know, and he's showing that speed that he has. But um, but when you see these guys go for back-to-back 100-yard games, then you know Gruden is locked in on them and they're locked in on the offense, and, and uh, I think this thing is only going to get better. Did you think the Raiders were going to pull it out? You know, that's an emotional deal when a team comes back on you and, and ties you and you have the goal line stand, you keep stopping them, and then freaking Brissett you know, finally gets loose on a scramble uh, you know, to, to set things up. Did you think they were going to win in overtime? Well, the fourth and twenty killed me, man. You know, the fourth and twenty. You know, I mean, I mean, the percentages of getting a fourth, a twenty-yard deal on fourth down, is just very low. When they got that, I thought that was bad. Um, I had to leave the stadium because I had a flight I had to catch to get back to Dallas. Oh, so I was no. listening to it on on the radio and um, and uh, watching a little bit on my on my Sunday ticket NFL app, but. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think that. I thought they had a good chance to still win the game for sure, uh, especially after um, um, uh, uh, Miami only got a field goal and had enough time on the clock to uh, to go down and, and put points on the board. I, I thought then yeah, we had a great chance to win the football game, but it's never good when you kick that field goal and then you get a ball to them and they got a chance to go score and win. Yep. But, uh, you know, this team has been resilient this year, man. I think, you know, if you look at, in the last couple, two or three years, I don't know if we could use that word in regards to the Raiders football team, you know, being resilient. And I think uh, what they're doing now, I joked earlier about, you know, using up all their energy for for the games later on. But And, and what I really believe is this is really going to get them ready to win the close games they need to win to get into playoffs. And once you get in the playoffs, you got to be in a position and know how to win these games. So that being said, man, I think if, you know, they can stay injury-free and everybody's saying that in the NFL right now, um, you know, uh, I think they have a great, great shot, man, of, of really making some things happen. Let's play around a little bit and say the Raiders are the best team in the AFC West, okay? Let's stick with that. Who is, the way you look at it right now, regardless of records, who is the second best team if the Raiders are the best team? Who's the second best team in the division? Um, well, look, I mean, if you're going to say the Raiders are the best, I think you still have to say Kansas City is the second best, you know, okay. because they just have too much experience in winning big games and too many weapons to say that they don't. It looks like now they're about to get Josh Gordon on top of everybody else that they have. Um, so, you know, definitely, I, I, you would definitely, I, I, I just think Denver has played a pretty soft schedule so far. Yeah. 
And um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, how they do. I'm very happy for Teddy Bridgewater. Great to see him get another shot and and playing good football. Um, But uh, we'll see what happens, man. But I I think right now, look, the Chargers team is not a bad football team. And they showed that yesterday, right? I mean, that's a very, very difficult place to win football games. And um, for them to be able to go and do it the way they did is uh, something they should be proud of. How crazy do you think SoFi is going to be in terms of being pro Raider on Monday night against the Chargers? Oh, my God. It's going to be wild, man. You know, the good thing now is you're going to have a lot of Charger fans out there. So uh, I say good thing. Maybe it's not a good thing because it <laughs> could be a whole bunch. Hopefully they had a lot of cops out there because they're going to need them for sure because uh, the Raider fans, the L.A. Raider fans, uh, <clears throat> they're, going to, uh, they're going to come out. And those guys are a little different breed. They're different than Oakland fans and certainly Las Vegas fans. So the, the L.A. Raider fans are a different breed. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Tim, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much, as always. Hey, no problem, guys. Appreciate it. There he is. All-time Raider great. Tim Brown. In a weird way, I'm going to throw this out to you, Candy. In a weird way, did we come out of the game yesterday, mostly based on what we saw in the fourth quarter in overtime, and upgrade the Dolphins because of Brissett? Upgrade? No, I mean, but I said before the game to you on these airwaves that I didn't think he was a downgrade at all over I thought he was. Yep, I thought he was. And again, small sample because it, it wasn't working for the first three quarters. Could Tua have done that? Yes. I, and here's, here's what I also think. Yeah. I wonder if the play that turned the whole game around, the safety on that little weird screen that they threw in the end zone, I wonder if they even try that with Tua. I wonder if that's one of those plays that with a veteran quarterback you think, you know what, I'm just going to make a really safe play and we'll try to do something simple here. And then Jacoby Brissett throws the ball so high uh, that Waddle ends up having to waste an extra second or two getting his bearings when he comes back down and Casey Hayward makes the hit and everything goes the Raiders' way from that point. So I think you can play that game both ways in terms of the quarterbacks, but I also don't think that Miami lost any chance to win the game based on Brissett being there instead of Tua. Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football. we got the Eagles and the Cowboys coming up. Get on down here. It's on Eastern. They've got the beer special running. Uh, you get the big draft beer for less than 4 bucks. you got appetizers that are $2, $4, and $6. There's tequila specials, other beer specials. Ooh, 26.2 on the beer. 26.2 degrees. Oh, boy. That is cold. That is cold. Uh, Patio's open. Got nine TVs out there. 75 TVs inside. There is no better place to watch Monday Night Football than Willis and Cofield and Company here at Twin Peaks. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. And a redshirt freshman slings it to the outside. Complete. And there's Collins in space. Jetting down the field. Tyree Collins going to take it to the house. And he'll pose a little bit on the way in. 80 yards for the score, and the Rebels stunning the crowd here and the dogs to start half number two. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. One of the Rebel highlights from Friday night, that was from CBS with uh, Tyleek Collins on the 80-yarder. That was shocking. Coming out of the half, because I figured, hey, UNLV just played a good first half, but they're kind of hanging on here. It's 14-9. 
They go to the locker room after watching their starting quarterback get carted off the field. You know, we don't know what the determination is going to be on Brumfield coming out of the locker room. He actually came out, and then that was him on that play, throwing that short pass. I thought there was going to be an emotional dump to start the second half. but And that Fresno, you know, you go, you go to the locker room, and Kalen DeBoer is, like, you know, throwing stuff around the locker room. Like, you you know, get it together. We can't sleepwalk through another half. And then Fresno, Fresno sleepwalks on a play. And Tylee Collins, that was cool to see. Candy, because they could use him as a weapon. And this is a guy, people forget how long he's been around. And by the way, he en- he entered the transfer portal after last season. And then we're out at spring practice a couple months later, and we're like, hey, there's Tyleek. What happened? And as Arroyo explained it, hey, they, they needed to have a long talk with each other. He's like, you know, both sides, we were kind of misunderstanding each other. And, you know, this is a world of second chances, so we got on the same page. So, Anyway, long story short, this is a guy's freshman year back in 2018 who had a 74 and a 79-yard touchdown. I think it was against Utah State and San Jose State. So he can do this. This is a much-needed weapon, so it was good to see him get going. And it was a shame with UNLV that they couldn't keep Brumfield healthy and upright. And then down the stretch, Cameron Field did some good things, but the uh, the edges in terms of defending him when they needed some time to pass just couldn't hold up against the uh, defensive ends and the outside pass rush of Fresno. So I think when you look at UNLV and you want to try to take little things away from a game like this that you can still feel good about, you can feel good about that play and something even smaller than that play with Tyleek Collins. Look how they blocked that up. Look how they blocked up the wide receiver screen. They gave Tyleek Collins the 10 yards that he needed to turn the Jets on. And anybody who saw this kid back in 18, as you mentioned, you know that Tyleek Collins has game-breaking speed. I mean, you saw that come in in his first year, and you thought, wow, that's the sort of thing UNLV usually doesn't have is a kid who can run like that. And he really got to display it. Once he got into the second level of the defense, he was afterburners on and gone. And so, obviously, UNLV did not get the win, but when you look at a play like that, you can feel good about the blocking. You can feel good about the play call from Arroyo and company. You can feel good about Brumfield making the simple throw. Simple execution, good scheme. There's the kind of play you can build on. Fresno avoids the upset as a 32-point favorite. You had UNLV plus 32. I think it went off at 30 or 30 and a half, so good selection there. We will get the roundup of all of our bets a little later on. We was like at a 445 on Mondays. How did we do with our sports betting? It's not easy. We're with you. It's not easy. Uh, Saturday was another, and I really enjoyed it. It was another day of just powers that be, Armageddon. Some lost outright. Others continued to show signs. You know, these teams that are automatically in the CFP in that Final Four, they, some continue to show signs that they just, I, I don't know how they're going to make it through. I don't know how they're going to make it through unbeaten, and maybe even with a loss that would keep them around. But Clemson lost their second, and listen, Oklahoma's hanging on by a thread here. They keep getting it done, but yikes. And then... The Spencer Rattler thing, Candy, is amazing. First of all, Oklahoma didn't move in the polls. They stayed at number four after that dog crap showing at home against West Virginia. They should have lost that game, first of all. And Spencer Rattler, preseason Heisman favorite Spencer Rattler, celebrated freshman from last year Spencer Rattler, had the student section at Oklahoma chanting the name of his backup. They wanted his backup to come in. Well, guess who then led them on the drive to win the game? It was Spencer Rattler, who was asked about it after the game, basically said, well, yeah, I'm down here, and they're up there, and i got to worry about what's going on down here. 
Good for you, kid, because it was ridiculous that they were coming after you the way that you did. You, Spencer Rattler, were not the only reason that Oklahoma, the number four team in the nation, was in a dogfight with a bad, eh, mediocre West Virginia team. Get on down here at Twin Peaks. we got cool giveaways, lots of T-shirts. So we'll be here until about 7.30. We start the giveaways a little after we go off the air at 5 o'clock for Monday Night Football. And that includes a pair of Vegas Golden Knights tickets that we'll be giving away here at Twin Peaks to a preseason game coming up in less than 10 days. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.